This is Sunday Focus, a weekly public affairs program that looks at the topics affecting our society and the people who are making a change in the community each and every day. The people who have vision for the next generation. Sunday Focus presents new challenges for us, keeping you informed with topics of local and regional interest. Now the host of Sunday Focus, Christine Manica. Good morning. Coming up on the program today, I will sit down with the president of Millennium Recycling, Shannon Dwyer, and a representative from Hope Haven. If you haven't noticed, recycling is not really on the forefront in South Dakota. Millennium Recycling is hoping to change this. This organization focuses on the need for recycling throughout the state, especially here in Sioux Falls. The president of Millennium Recycling, Shannon Dwyer, joins the show to talk about Millennium Recycling, myths about what can and can't be recycled, and how Millennium Recycling is actively working with the city of Sioux Falls to make recycling more efficient and accessible. And Hope Haven is one of the many nonprofit organizations around the Sioux Empire. Brooke Koima from Hope Haven sits in on the program to talk about the organization and how COVID has really affected them. For more information about Hope Haven and how to get involved, you can always visit hopehaven.org. That's H-O-P-E-H-A-V-E-N.org. All that and more coming up on Sunday Focus. Good doesn't happen by accident. To make a real difference in people's lives, it takes a dedicated community. It takes a team like the Sioux Empire United Way. When you give to the United Way, you're sharing the good and changing lives for one out of every three people in the Sioux Empire. You're providing books for kids, meals for seniors, and second chances for people in crisis. We're better when we're united. See the good your donation does at seuw.org. Welcome back to Sunday Focus. I'm being joined over the phone line right now with the president of Millennium Recycling here in the Sioux Empire. We have Shannon Dwyer here with us. Hey, good morning, Shannon. Good morning. You know, thank you for joining us over the phone. We have a lot to go over. But before we get started, let's just talk about Millennium Recycling. What is Millennium Recycling? Millennium Recycling is a processor or MRF. Uh, we are, uh, MRF stands for Material Recovery Facility. We collect recycling from the uh, throughout the region and supply it to miller, mill, paper mills and uh, plastics, metals, uh, organizations that process the material back into new products. So when would you say Millennium Recycling started here in the Sioux Empire? Uh, Millennium Recycling was bought by the current owner, Jake Anderson, back in 1999. Um, and we were just a small processing facility and we've grown from there. Let's go over some numbers that we have with Millennium Recycling. How much recyclable items would you say that your organization collects in a year? About 50,000 tons. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's like a whole bunch of elephants, am I right? Sure is. Sure is. <laughs> How much would you say in a day, then? Um, we're about 100 and I think 90 tons average per day. Wow. Okay. So this is a lot of recyclable items that go through just in the Sioux Empire alone. Now, how does the process of recycling work at Millennium Recycling? Uh, for the most part, we collect. Um, and that means by we, it's most of the material is actually brought to us. Um, we do do a little bit outside of what's brought. But garbage haulers, city municipalities, counties, bring material into us where we uh, segregate and um, package for um, distribution out to the uh, mill, paper mills and users. 
So for anyone who hasn't been in Millennium Recycling before, can you just describe what people see when they go into the facility if they do have stuff to drop off? Okay. It's a big eye-opener. Um, if they have stuff to drop off, we've got a public drop-off uh, place right out in front of the building. There's a bright green bin that accepts single-stream recycling, and then we've also got some cardboard containers, and that's specifically for the residents. Um, and then we do take commercial drop-off as well that is around back, and, and that's a little overwhelming for people coming in. It looks very industrial. We've got a lot of equipment and a lot of activity that goes on in a small space. A lot of people usually wonder about what actually can and cannot be recycled. There's a lot of myths behind it. So what can you recycle? You know, that what you can recycle hasn't changed a whole lot over the years. Um, it's just be, like before when you used to, we used to collect everything separated. Now it's those same items all in one bin. So we do what is called single stream recycling where everyone can easily put everything into one bin and or drop it here in one bin and we sort it and make it ready for the end users. So um, the same items that's uh, pop cans, tin food cans, plastic bottles, tubs and jugs, your office paper and junk mail, magazines and newspapers, cardboard, a lot of times, two people kind of get confused on what can't be recycled. So what are, what are those items that are just better left off in the trash? Uh, we don't like film or um, bag material. The only time we ever accept a bag now is when it's shredded paper. We capture that in a, a clear bag, and we can take that in a single stream. Um, but other than that, we do not want to see any film. Um, we do not want to see... Uh, like sticker material, we don't want to see porcelain or ceramics, uh, we don't want to see scrap metals or wood, uh, medical, um, like home health medical items, we don't want to see any of that come in, That that is prohibited. I've actually been into Millennium Recycling a few times, and there was a couple of times where I saw a bag in, in the mix. So what happens if one of your team members does come across an item that can't be recycled? We do pull that out, um, and it does end up back in the waste stream, or we try to recycle it from our side where um, we pull it out aside and we separate it. So the items that shouldn't be in that mix, we do do our best to dispose of them properly. How does this actually affect the process at Millennium Recycling? Um, it slows our process down. It can also damage equipment, and it can be harmful to our employees. Um, items such as like your scrap metal, if it gets caught in equipment, or people have to grab it off the lines, um, that it can expose them to dangers that you wouldn't normally have because of the, the equipment. Why does recycling make a difference? Does it actually make a difference? We believe it certainly does. Um, it's a lot of items that don't belong in the landfill and save space in the landfill. Um, but also, we COVID really actually pointed this out, how essential the supply is of recyclable items. A lot of those items are really needed to remanufacture into new usable um, products. So like your, uh, your office paper, for example, goes back into tissue, which is your paper towels and your toilet paper, or your, your aluminum cans go back into new can product. Um, your plastics go back into new plastics. It's interesting how you bring up COVID. I know we said before we before we started the interview that I'm like, oh, we're not we're gonna we're not gonna really talk about COVID that much. But now that you bring it up in that regard, COVID did kind of have an impact on you guys. 
It sure did. Um, it, not to mention the, the fact that staffing can be a challenge during COVID, but we actually got busier. We saw a change in the material type that came in um, and being essential and, and needed, uh, we were here and it still was day-to-day operations that we had to complete. You have probably been with Millennium Recycling for a long time. Did you ever imagine leading an organization during a pandemic? Oh, no. <laughs> to simply I don't think anybody sees those challenges coming. <laughs> How did your team react to it? What did you guys, because like I said, I've been in your facility before, and I kind of understand that everyone is pretty much spaced out. So what did you do in order to adapt to the new normal? We followed all safety protocols uh, due to the fact that we're fairly spaced out. That allowed us a lot more freedoms than maybe in enclosed structures do. Um, there's a lot of air circulation here with the doors opening and closing and a lot of ventilation. But we, everyone actually is spaced out in their own workspaces. So that, that uh, provides a lot of um, work um, freedoms, I guess, and maybe a little safer work environment that way. Um, and we did the cleaning protocols and, and uh, masking when it was acquired also. So, you know, you follow those protocols, but also it's, it's our environment actually was a little easier to work in. I almost want to say production grew for Millennium Recycling because a lot more people were staying home. Am I right in saying that statement? Uh, that would be correct. A lot of the commercial or the business side kind of slowed back a little bit, and then the residential recycling really amped up. All those people staying home, uh, they drank a lot more container uh, beverages, um, and a lot of stuff was shipped home into homes, and so you got a lot of shipping and packaging that way because of uh, the new uh, shipping environment and, and uh, shopping online. Were you kind of surprised at how much the need for Millennium Recycling grew during, during COVID? It did surprise us a little bit. Just, I mean, we saw some of these changes happening just over the years with all the the online shopping, but it happened so quickly, and the pandemic really really quickened that. So we saw a lot more of what some people term the Amazon effect to the, the shipping packaging boxes. Um, so some of that did change very quickly. If you are just joining us, uh, Shannon Dwyer, she is the president of the Millennium Recycling here in the Sioux Empire. It's interesting that we bring up about residential people recycling more residential housing. And there's a couple of reasons why I bring that up. One, I actually wrote a story about the lack of recycling throughout the state of South Dakota. And coincidentally, Millennium Recycling is actually working with the city sustainability department to voice this concern. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, we are always working with them to try to uh, encourage education. We're always working with them on encouraging um, continuous education through the school systems and also with businesses here in town. Um, but one of our concerns is, is with as busy as things get and, and how COVID did treat the community and how our community is growing so quickly, we want to make sure that we're keeping up with that and keeping recycling on the forefront and as, as an item that is, um, that is not uh, made less important. Sometimes when we write stories here, we don't always intend for it to start a conversation. But in this particular case, it did. So we always talk about in the office here how 
We do need more recycling bins. We do need to have that easier access in order to recycle products that can be recycled. Were those kind of the same conversations that you guys were having at Millennium Recycling? We do, and we we tend to have those conversations pretty regularly. Um, We often comment when we're out in public, okay, they have garbage bins here, but they don't have recycling here. Or when we visit other cities, you see how well they do that. And we're always trying to encourage um, better sustainability practices here in Sioux Falls. So um, when any of that sustainability um, comes up with the city, we are making sure that we have those conversations. And I will be clear when when I say this, they do have recycling bins over at the government buildings. And there's even some recycling bins in downtown Sioux Falls and even around the bike trails. However, it's really lacking in some businesses and even apartment complexes. That is correct. And that's always a challenge. It's trying to get uh, some of these either um, multi-family facilities to, to properly educate or to have proper receptacles available to their to people. Um, it's also difficult to get businesses where, you know, they feel it is a, an extra step or they also feel that it's um, something that's difficult with staffing um, to get them to uh, create that habit and, and that uh, the way to properly uh, handle their waste. So when you meet with the city sustainability department, what are some plans that you have placed in front of them that could be friendly suggestions too? Um, always proper education, always making sure that the education is available, uh, making sure it's out in front of them, whether it's social media or pamphlets or free pamphlets. Um, we work with them and try to Um, make education the same, so you have the same message being taught, uh, whether it's through each individual hauler, whether it's between them and us, or it's between the communities. Uh, Since the landfill does cover five counties, we really want to encourage the same education between all five counties and all the cities. What are some myths and misconceptions about recycling here in South Dakota and even in the city of Sioux Falls? Uh, one of the major ones we've been addressing is the fact that a lot of people think we don't, aren't able to recycle a lot of items. And we actually, when comparing ourselves to other cities across the nation, we have very similar, if not more, items are able to be recycled. So. Yeah, and just I'm looking at the article written, and, and there is a, a law in place that does say that all government buildings in the state and even by your desk, they're required to have a recycling bin. However, it's only a friendly suggestion if you're in the counties and the other cities because they have the right to establish their own mandatory recycling laws and ordinances. Do you hope that that at some point will change in the future? Um, You know, I'm never one for forcing people, but I want I want the availability and I want the fact that, you know, this is something that we've decided and we want to encourage in our communities and that we know is a better practice. Um, They need to be a leader and show by example. Um, And they need to provide receptacles. They need to make sure that's available. They need to have them placed properly. What are some other hopes that you have for the future of recycling here in South Dakota and the city of Sioux Falls? Um, I'd like to see people value it a little more. I'd like to see, um, you know, sometimes it's it's real easy to talk and it's real easy to encourage and it's real easy to talk about how great recycling is, but I also want to see it in practice. 
So I want that attitude to go in decision making. I want that attitude to go into the businesses. I want that attitude to go, you know, to grow among residents and to be practice yeah yeah absolutely and i was going to say and clearly people they want to recycle just by the the response that you were getting throughout the pandemic absolutely absolutely and that's definitely the hope for the future now shannon where can people go in order to drop off their recyclable items if they don't have access to that okay we do have uh drop-off bins available in front of our building uh, the landfill actually also has drop-off bins available. So those that are visiting the landfill and want to be able to drop off the recycling, they have those bins available as well. Um, and your garbage haulers all recycle and are, and are by ordinance required to provide recycling. So I encourage you to use your garbage haulers to, to recycle. What are some other simple ways that people can recycle and just make the planet a little better place to live? Um, we also encourage uh, reducing. So, I mean, watch what kind of packaging you're getting. Um, the items that you buy, make sure they're coming in recyclable type packaging. Um, a lot of packages seem like they could be or promoted that they could be, um, but they are not necessarily the case by the time that they come here. Um, so, and we call that wish cycling, where there's, you know, people that want to do right or manufacturing that makes something look recyclable, but it maybe isn't. So, um, so we just ask that people try to reduce what they're using, um, reuse it, and we absolutely encourage reusing. Um, there's all sorts of items here in the city of Sioux Falls that can be reused, including like lumber and clothing and, and some of your reuse stores. So, um, Absolutely, and I, I totally agree. Now, can people pick up recycling bins at Millennium Recycling if they do want it in their house? We do not have recycling bins available, no. Um, but uh, we certainly, you can bring them out, you know, your recyclables out here and, and dump them into our, into our bins. Darn it. So. I was hoping to go grab one from you. <laughs> you foiled my plan, Shannon. <laughs> it's an awful big community for a small company like ours to have to supply. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can definitely agree with that. If you are just joining us, I'm being joined by the president of Millennium Recycling here in the Sioux Empire. It's Shannon Dwyer. Now, where can people go and find more information about Millennium Recycling or if they have more questions about what and cannot be recycled? All right. You are welcome to our website has a a host of tools at millenniumrecycling.com, including a great search bar that goes into the whole history of um, of what we uh, do. And we've got a blog that includes all that information and explanation. So we encourage you to use that search bar. Um, Social media. uh, We also are on Facebook and and you'll find us on all that social media. Um, And there's a lot of fun posts we try to keep up. uh, Marissa, we have an education person here that uh, is, and she also does a lot of our graphics. She does a fantastic job keeping all of that up. So we encourage you to check that website. And you're always welcome to call and you can stop in. We are more than happy to help you. Awesome. Once again, it's Shannon Dwyer with Millennium Recycling here in the Sioux Empire. And Shannon, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. You may know about Girl Scouts from our awesome cookies, but we do so much more. You can go to camp. You can even be a Girl Scout by helping your community. You can go to events. I can't wait for my next series. I'm going to learn about photography. You can travel. I can't wait to go to Hong Kong and Jamaica. If you can't wait to do more and see more, check out Girl Scouts. Call 800-666-2141 or visit gsdakotahorizons.org.
We used to think all lung cancer was the same. But now we know there are several different molecular types of lung cancer. By performing molecular testing on a lung cancer tumor, doctors can try to determine what's causing it to grow, which can help identify treatment options. Not all lung cancers are the same. Talk to your doctor to see if molecular testing is appropriate for you. And visit lungcancerprofiles.com. That's lungcancerprofiles.com. A public service of six leading lung cancer advocacy groups and Pfizer Oncology. Welcome back to Sunday Focus. I am joined in the studio from Hope Haven Marketing Manager, Brooke Koima. I said that right, right? Yep, that's yes. correct. There we go. She is going to talk to us about the organization and lots of exciting events coming up. First of all, Brooke, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always nice to have someone back in the studio face-to-face. I've mentioned this before. And let's just put it this way. Last year and this year was just different in general. It has been different. But before we get Get to that let's talk about hope haven what is your organization all about hope haven is a nonprofit organization that provides services and support for people with disabilities um, our services are comprehensive we have a really big umbrella so we do a lot of different things that cover a lot of aspects of a person's life that's vocational so connecting people with job opportunities housing, so that's direct care in in homes. Um, We have an international ministries program. um, So we do a lot of different things. Um, And individual choice is really key in all of our services, Mm -hmm. empowering people to have a productive life of their choosing in their own communities. What about people that benefit from this program? So when people come in to Hope Haven, what is their number one priority that they're looking for from you guys? Yeah, so it really varies based on individual need. Um, Our largest service program at the moment is community living. We have over 60 community living residences in Northwest Iowa and Southwest Minnesota. But like I said, it really varies based on that person's needs. And our international ministries program has their distribution center in Sioux Falls. And that program has delivered over 130,000 wheelchairs in 109 countries. So, and they estimate that there are millions of people around the world who still need a wheelchair and can't access one. So that program has a really great need and a lot of people tap into that and and work with us on that program. So. I, I should have mentioned in the beginning that this is part of the Sioux Empire. So you have a location in Iowa. Yes. And then is there also an office located in Sioux Falls? Yeah. So our headquarters are in Rock Valley, Iowa, but our international ministry is is headquartered in Sioux Falls. You were talking about the wheelchair ministry just now. How many wheelchairs, just so I can figure that out, how many wheelchairs would you say you distribute a year? It really depends. Anywhere between 2,000 to 5,000 wheelchairs, probably. Can you talk about some experiences that people have had with Hope Haven? So our organization was founded in 1964, so there's a lot of history there. Yeah. Um, And a lot of people, especially in the Sioux Empire, have been on a trip with us or they have volunteered at one of our wheelchair workshops. And that basically uh, working in a wheelchair workshop entails refurbishing wheelchairs that are donated. So if someone has a wheelchair that they no longer use, they'll donate it to our organization and we, our volunteers, will refurbish it to like new and then it'll be donated to someone in need. So locally, people help us refurbish those wheelchairs. And then there's also opportunities for people to go on trips with us to places like Vietnam and Guatemala and Romania and be a part of that process where they're personally giving a wheelchair to somebody in need. So those are some really great experiences. There's so many stories, but when you're there in that country and you're you're seeing the person 
get that life-changing gift of a wheelchair, it's, it's really incredible. It's probably really rewarding for you on your end just to see it all unfold. Definitely. It's the whole, you see the whole process right there. Things have changed with COVID-19 too, and there really isn't an area that hasn't been affected in some way. Nonprofits and organizations like Hope Haven especially have been hurting during this difficult time. Yeah, things really were put on pause with that. We had one of our last trips in March, and then things really came to a halt on that. Behind the scenes, we were still collecting wheelchairs, and our volunteers were safely working when they could on, on refurbishing them. But yeah, we didn't have a lot of trips last year, so we're excited when things start opening back up to, to get back out there and, and get those wheelchairs distributed to people in those countries. So, When COVID first became a reality, what were your thoughts personally and as an organization? Yeah, wow. Difficult time for everyone, especially in our nonprofit and what we do. Locally, we provide direct care, so that's super challenging because the, the work that we do that way doesn't stop and people can't work from home. And then our wheelchair ministry, just all of those trips being paused and it, yeah, it's really difficult, but our, I would say our leadership was really innovative and coming up with solutions and all of our employees, it was such a team effort of following all those procedures and being a really united front in order to come through it all. But yeah, what a, what a difficult, strange time. Don't remember my exact reaction, but just really not sure how to take that all in because so new for everyone. I know. And we're all still trying to process this year in general, too. And you already just said this. How did your team act to the pandemic and what was the plan going forward? Our team really acted and collaborated to come up with those safety procedures in terms of all of our different service programs, whether that be local or international, like pausing some of those trips. Mm-hmm. Um And then on our fundraising aspect of things with our events, you know, figuring out, oh, do we cancel this? Do we reschedule it? So that was an interesting thing to navigate all of those challenges. When you did eventually, because for the most part, yeah, because of COVID, all those events that were planned were canceled or postponed. So what were just some of the events that were canceled last year for Hope Haven? Well, we have a Rock and Roll for Hope event that's at the Country Club in Sioux Falls every March that was canceled. And then we had a couple other concert events that take place in the spring that were canceled. Thankfully, we were able to hold some of our summer events that are out, were outside. Mm-hmm. The ones that we postponed, we did have in the summer and the fall, but they just looked different, right? Less people there, mm-hmm. mask safety procedures like that. So we were able to pivot with some of those events. But yeah, it was just a challenging thing to restructure those events. But so a few of them were canceled. A few of them were restructured and postponed. If you are just listening, Brooke from Hope Haven, she is joining me in the studio. How crucial are these events and fundraisers for an organization like Hope Haven? Fundraising events are huge for us. We have you know, about a dozen events throughout the year. So events are a huge part of our fundraising efforts. So, and not only is it a great way for us to raise funds, but it's just a great way to get the community involved and aware of what we do. Um, It connects people with volunteering opportunities. So there's just a number of ways that events are really critical to our fundraising efforts. Absolutely. And just like events like the auction and other programs you put on at Hope Haven, you need help. So what are volunteer opportunities that are offered at Hope Haven? Yeah, there's a number of different ways that people can volunteer and get involved with Hope Haven. Um, We have a list of all of those on our website, hopehaven.org slash volunteer. 
and it you know it depends on the location that you're at but in Sioux Falls specifically we have opportunities to help at our our Sioux Falls headquarters our international ministries so you can get involved by helping refurbish those wheelchairs you can also help us load up for shipments organize there's administrative tasks so there's a lot of information on our website about how you can help out that way and sign up for more information you've set the website already a couple of times more information about hope haven remind everyone the website yeah check out hopehaven.org for more information on all of our events all right awesome brooke coima with hope haven thanks so much for joining us today yeah thanks for having me you know what really gets a party started indoor baseball Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I'm Christine Manica, and you've been listening to Sunday Focus. I'd like to thank my guests, Shannon Dwyer from Millennium Recycling and Brooke Coima from Hope Haven for joining the program today. Once again, if you would like to learn any information about Millennium Recycling, you can always follow them on social media, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and their website, MillenniumRecycling.com. Again, you can always follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and also check out MillenniumRecycling.com. If you would like to learn more information about the Hope Haven organization here in the Sioux Empire, always visit HopeHaven.org. Sunday Focus is a public affairs program of Results Radio Town Square Media Sioux Falls.